get into the Word today. I want to talk to you a little bit about next weekend. We got some good news the other day that we will begin to be allowed to have services at 10% capacity. Now, we have to apply it, our local government unit. We've already done all that. In fact, we did that on Friday as soon as the announcements came out. But we got a lot to get ready. Now, f as far as physical structure and as far as, you know, hand washing and foot baths and foggers, we we've got all of that but we need to make sure that we're ready for what you need us to do, and that is the services. Now, we've already got the Friday night service, the Saturday night, Saturday morning service, drive-in for our seniors and those with medical conditions. We've got Saturday night service. We've got Sunday morning, 7.30, 10, and 3. Now, that's nowhere near enough at a capacity of 10%. That would be 800 people at main campus. That would be about 140 people at south and east and about 70 people at north. So what we need you to do is help us out. Number one, why don't you pick up your cell phone right now and text your district pastor, because they've been calling you every three days, Diba. Contact your district pastor and say, this is when I and my family, how many people together, okay, always tell us how many people, I and my family or I by myself, I and three kids, whatever, we will be attending this service. Now, once we start getting this information, we can see, all right, we're not going to have enough we're not going to have enough space for the 10 o'clock. So how about if we do a 7.30, we do a 10, we do a 12.30, and we do a 3. Or some of you may suggest and say, Pastor, I would really prefer that we have a little smaller crowds and we do a service on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. And you know what? I'll be happy to do that. I'm already preaching. I mean, for what, 111, 112 days, and I've been preaching twice a day. So it doesn't bother me. The hard work doesn't bother me. We just want to serve you and take care of you. So tell us what would be best for you in this situation. Doing services every night and just keep the regular services on the weekend, or shall we add more services on the weekend? Now, I will tell you that we'll run the services a little shorter. Now, not because I want to, because I want to preach long sermons, but it's going to be very difficult, for instance, to have a full song service, to sing for 30 or 40 minutes in those masks. Have you ever tried to take a deep breath in a mask? If you've got the surgical mask, you, it, it goes down to your tonsils, all right? So we, we, we have to understand, we have to be a little practical in this, and we'll get back into regular worship in just a little while. But right now, the masks need to be on, so we'll reduce the singing just a little bit. So please, would you go get that text message done right away? Now, let me begin to teach you our sermon for this weekend. I only got the first point done because we run shorter services down in the drive-in services, so I'm only going to do the first point with you also, and that's difficult because it's hard to preach a single-point sermon because there's so much that has to follow with it. So please make sure you tune in next week. Make sure you're here next week and get the rest of it. I want to begin to teach you about learning to stand. We said in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, the men of Issachar understood their times and therefore knew what Israel should do. We have to learn to understand our times, not just from, you know, this is what the world economy is doing and this is what the geopolitical situation is. We have to learn to understand our times spiritually. Now, Psalms 91, verse 6 says, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness. All over the world right now, everybody is focused on the pestilence, the COVID-19. But forgive me, the COVID-19 is just a symptom of a far greater thing that's occurring. COVID-19, this, this pestilence can only stalk in a season of spiritual darkness. There is a season of spiritual darkness. Jesus talked about it in Luke 22, verse 53, an hour when darkness reigns. 
Paul talks about it in Ephesians 6 verse 13. He said that you may be able to, that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, you stand firm. So there are, are things that sometimes we flip right by in the Bible that we need to understand. Paul went through different changes in the spirit realm. Paul understood that things changed spiritually. Paul understood that there were seasons when darkness reigns, and Jesus taught us that also. Now, how do we stand in these days when, when empires are changing? And it would not surprise me to see a whole new situation of geopolitical power going on by the time all of this is finished or shortly thereafter. Now, in our last study, we looked at how to stand from a practical viewpoint. We have to have a mature thought life. We have to hold true to what we've already attained. We have to stand with the leadership that God has given us. And we have to remember and focus on our eternity in heaven. That whatever goes on in this world, this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven, as we saw last week, from which we eagerly await a Savior who will transform these lowly bodies, Paul said. So everything about his teaching there that we studied last week was about the rapture. Very soon the rapture will occur. When, Pastor? I don't know. But the rapture is going to happen. And when it happens, we will leave this, this temporary body down and we will leave the cars and the houses. Forgive me, folks. You're not going to need your car in heaven. And forgive me, folks, your house that you put so much value on, forgive me. You've got a mansion waiting for you in heaven. This world is not our home. Heaven is our home from which we eagerly await a Savior. And in order to stand, you have to keep that in mind. Now I want to go back and look at our two key texts and then take things a step further today. Ephesians 6 verse 13 say, Pastor, why are you sitting down to do the teaching? You know, because if I stand up behind the pulpit, I wave my arms and I do all kinds of things and it, it comes across too big in this venue, in this, in this situation. So I sit down so that I, I'm a little more contrite, <laughs> a little smaller in my gestures because you're sitting there in your home and I don't want to be jumping up and down and shouting and yelling while you're just looking at a small screen, okay? So we want to keep everything in proportion. Ephesians 6.13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand firm. Philippians 4 verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and whom I long for, my joy and crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. This is how you stand firm. So we began to learn how. Now, Philippians 1 verse 27 is a third key text. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for your faith in the gospel. I love that. We live worthy. Paul said, I want you to live worthy of the gospel of Christ. How do you do that? Standing firm. Now we'll get into the rest of that as we go today. Now all we're going to get into today, next week we'll get into some practical truths, we'll get into putting on the full armor of God, but this week I just want you to see some very simple truth. Every one of them is, is, is dirt simple. But that's usually where we make our mistakes. Where do we stand? We stand in God's firm place. Let me say that again. Where do we stand? Where do we take our stand? In God's firm place. You don't stand on a slippery slope. You don't stand on a slippery floor. You have to learn a place to stand. 
And that spiritual place that you stand is called God's firm place. Psalms chapter 40, verse 2. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Okay, that's a slippery place. And set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Now, did you hear that? God picked you up out of a place that was filthy and slimy, slippery. No way you could take a stand. And he gave you a firm place to stand. Everything I'm going to teach you about this firm place, you have to remember, is a gift of God. It's not something that we have earned. It is a gift of God. So you need to understand, God is no respecter of persons. When he pulled you out of sin and he pulled you out of the slimy pit, he put you in a firm place. And in that firm place, you are always going to be able to stand. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25. When the storm is swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. The wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Proverbs 12, verse 7. Wicked men are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous stands firm forever. Now, brothers and sisters, in this season, you're going to see businesses rise and fall. You're going to see households and families rise and fall. You're going to see types of businesses. You're going to see nations. You're going to see empires rise and fall. What makes the difference? When the storm is swept by, when this, this spiritual storm is swept by our world, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. Why? Because God's given you a firm place to stand. God knew these things were going to happen. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. In fact, I've got a whole study I'm going to teach one of these nights on, you know, times of trouble. God knows that in this world, we're going to have trouble. God knows that in this world, there's going to come storms and chaos and everything. Now, some of us have lived for a few years longer than, than others, and we're getting a little older. We're not old. But we've been through the storms of the 80s. We've been through the storms of the 90s. And we're still standing this storm will pass. This chaos, this economic chaos, and, and really COVID-19 is just a piece of it. Wait, wait until the economic chaos begins to hit. I mean, this, this, this storm is going to pass, though. Every component of this storm is going to pass. And when it finishes passing, the righteous will stand. Because why? God has given you a firm place to stand. Now, looking at that firm place, you have to realize this is not a positive thinking thing. This is not a, a self-confidence thing. This is not a mental thing. In fact, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. You know, there are some people that think they're standing. They think they're so strong. They think they're so powerful. They think they're standing. But he said, listen, you need to take heed lest you fall. This is not a, a mental thing. This is not a I've got this thing. You don't got this. I mean, please forgive me, folks. Th this thing is far from over, and we all understand that. We haven't yet begun to see the economic chaos, the, the economic fallout of shutting down an entire nation's economy for over uh, coming up on four months. I mean, we haven't even begun to see all of the impact of this thing upon educations and schools and property prices and everything else. Anybody who thinks that they stand because they're so strong and macho, uh, let them take heed lest they fall. So w how is it that we know that we can stand? 
Well, God's put you in a firm place, and God gave you the strength to stay there. God puts you in a firm place, and God gives you the strength to stay there. Now, I taught on that on Friday night. I taught on that on Saturday night. So let me remind you. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Okay? Be strong, what? In the Lord and in his mighty power. In, in these seasons of darkness, in these seasons of the chaos and the challenges brought about by the deception and the slander and the, the chaos of the seasons of darkness, you and I have got to just back up a little bit and go, you know what? God's given me a firm place to stand, but I don't know that I have the strength to stand unless God gives it to me. So I will be strong in the Lord. Psalms 20, verses 6 to 8 puts it this way. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of our Lord God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. How do you stand firm? You trust in God. You trust that God will give you the strength to stand. Now remember what I taught you Friday and Saturday. Exodus 15 verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. 2 Samuel 22:33. it is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect or mature. 1 Chronicles chapter 29 verse 12, in your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength at all. And I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. God is the source of your strength. Psalms 105, verse 4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek God. Say, God, you've given me a firm place to stand, but now I still need to be able to stand. So please give me the strength to stand. Say, all right. What else can you tell us about this firm place? Well, God's firm place to stand is a place of grace. Now again, this is so simple. Romans 5, verse 2. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So we stand in grace. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. But by Silvanus, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. What do you stand firm in? The true grace of God. Now, several things I want you to see here. First of all, we, we do not stand in justice. Forgive me, my friends. If, if I like how the psalmist said it. Psalms 130, verse 3. If you, O Lord, should keep track of our iniquities or our sins, who could stand? I mean, please. If, if God kept a record of all of our sins, we could not stand. We don't stand in justice. We stand in grace. Secondly, mature Christians, and please don't get mad at me, but, but listen to me. Mature Christians, we, we often have this thing of, well, God heal me because look at what I've done for you. When Sister Bev and I fought that battle last year, we went th when we went through all of that surgery with Sister Bev, and we, we fought that cancer battle, never once did I sit down and pray, now God, you know everything Bev has done for you. I'm asking you to heal her because look at all that she's done for you. God doesn't heal us because we deserve us. Everything God does in our life is by grace. Now, now that should not make us feel bad unless you have an, a spiritual entitlement mentality where you think, well, God, I, I, I gave you that much tithe and God, I did this, therefore, God, I'm entitled to this. I mean, please, if, if you have that attitude, please dispose of it quickly. Because in these days, you won't be able to stand. You cannot stand in what you deserve. If God gave us what we deserved, every one of us would be 
burning in hell right now and for a long time. But brothers and sisters, God doesn't do anything for us that we deserve. Everything God does for us is because of grace. So when we stand in this place, it doesn't matter what slander comes against us. It, it doesn't matter what schemes Satan does against it. It, it doesn't matter because we're standing in grace. Now, not just grace. Peter said the true, true grace of God, the true grace of God. See, there is an unreal grace. There is an unreal grace that says, you know what? It doesn't matter whatever I do. Uh, the grace of God has caused forgiveness for my sins, past, present, and future, so I can have sex with 500 women, I can murder 50 babies, I can kill three grandmothers, uh, I can kill 15 lolos, and you know what? I'm still going to heaven because of God's grace. Uh, no, that's not true grace. That's not real grace. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, Paul said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people training us now what does what what does what does grace do it trains us another translation says teaching us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age so when you're standing in true grace you know that nothing in this world you deserve you know that there's nothing that you have that you deserve everything that you have is by grace Everything that you have is by grace. Your cell phone is by grace. Your car is by grace. Your home is by grace. Your job is by grace. Those sales for the food orders every single day are by grace. Everything flows from his grace. Now, you need to just get a hold of that. And understanding that that grace does not say we can live any way we want. Grace is not an excuse for sin. Grace teaches us exactly the opposite. But at the same time, you remember, I can stand in this firm place because it's a place of grace. It's not a place of justice. It's not a place that I'm not worthy for. It's a place of grace. It's not a place that I deserve. It's a place of grace. This, this firm place is a place of grace. So when Satan, the accuser of the brethren, comes against you and begins to remind you of all the horrible things that you have done in your past, and because of that, you're going to reap what you've sowed, and your business will be destroyed, and you're going to lose your job, and you're going to lose your home, and you're going to lose everything that you built because you were such a despicable person in the past. You remember, I stand in a firm place called grace. Everything I have for my salvation, all of my sins are forgiven and cast as far as the east is from the west. There is no accusation can, that can be brought against me because this firm place is a place of grace. Secondly, God's firm place is a place of faith. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but that we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. 1 Peter 5 verse 9. Resist him. Resist Satan. Standing firm in the faith. So you, you have to learn that this firm place is a place of grace. But this firm place is also a place of faith. Now, faith is not mind over matter. Faith is not, you know, if I just wish hard enough something will happen. That's not faith. Faith is the evidence of things 
not yet seen. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. But let me get even more practical. Go back to the early part of Romans. Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and his wife's womb was dry. He said, you know what? We can't have sex. It doesn't work anymore. My wife isn't ovulating anymore. She's not having menstruations anymore. There's no way we're going to get pregnant. Those are the facts. He faced the fact, and the Bible said, still chose to believe. Now, brothers and sisters, this is a firm place of faith. We're not people who pretend that things don't exist. We face the facts, and we choose to believe. Let me say that again. We face the facts, and we choose to believe. We don't pretend like this COVID-19 thing is not going on. We face the reality of it. Okay, we, we face the reality that, that you know, there are so many millions of people dying. So many millions in the hospital and hundreds of thousands dying. I guess it's over 500,000 dead now. You know, we, we, we face these facts. We, we face the facts that there are people uh, on, on, that have been intubated. That's a weird word to me, but intubated. Tubes put in them just to keep them breathing. We, we face the facts and we choose to believe. No pestilence shall come near my home. We face the facts and we choose to believe. God's angels guard me in all my way. We choose to believe no pestilence shall come near me. We choose to believe. Now this is a firm place. You see, we can't control circumstances. But when you're, but when you're in a firm place called faith, you're not focused on the circumstances. You're focused on the promises of God which do not change. You're focused on a God who does not change. You're focused on a faithful God who keeps his promises. Hallelujah. So yeah, faith is a firm place because it's focused on the promises of God. It's focused on the character of God. Thirdly, this firm place is in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. Now, let me read it to you, the NIV translation. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Did you hear that? We stand firm in Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.21 NIV. How many times have I taught you the teddy bear inside a balloon? The first time I was walking through Mega Mall years ago when Shasha was little and I saw these guys, how do you get that teddy bear in a balloon? I mean, I was just totally confused and, and everybody laughed at me and I kept saying, how do you get a teddy bear inside a balloon? How do you and I get in Christ? It's a spiritual thing that happens. But just like that teddy bear, the teddy bear kind of changes color. You can still see the teddy bear, but you see the teddy bear through the balloon. You and I, when we were born again, we were clothed with Christ. We are now in Christ. Now, Jesus teaches this. Paul teaches this. Jesus teaches, says, listen, you're going to be in me just as I'm in the Father. Paul teaches, I mean, it's an incredible doctrine about being in Christ. We're in Christ, and Christ is in the Father, and the Father is in us. I mean, it's just, you know, it'll make your mind go, nah. But I just accept the fact that I'm in Christ. When Satan looks at me, he sees me through Jesus. When demons look at me and you, they see us 
through Jesus. Now, when you understand that, with all the chaos going around, with all the sickness going around, as Satan begins to attack your life, he recognizes um, they're in Christ. That's a pretty firm place to stand because nothing can separate them from the love of God. <laughs> that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, I don't dare get going on that too much or we won't get any farther at all. The next one. God's firm place is in the local church. Listen to what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He says in verse 27 of chapter 1, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now he writes to this local church and said, Now listen, this is the firm place that you stand. You stand firm with the body, with the local church that Jesus has built you into. Many years ago, I had someone send me a, a YouTube video of a, a herd of water buffalo in Africa. Now, these water buffalo are not like our catabows. They move a lot faster, and they're a lot more aggressive. And there was this big herd of maybe a hundred of them. And one of them just kept walking off by itself. Well, as it walked off by itself, a lion grabbed a hold of it and would have killed it. But the rest of the herd came as one unit. I mean, it's not just one or two came. The whole herd came and drove off the lion. And that water buffalo was able to get up off the ground and rejoin the herd. There is safety in the unity of a local church. This is not the time for you to say, well, you know, I don't need God's house and, you know, I'm a Christian and Jesus will take care of me. I don't need the rest of the body. Folks, Jesus built us together. Jesus built us into the heavenly holy of holies. He built us onto the lampstand. He made us a part of the body of Christ, whatever illustration you wish to use from the New Testament. But we've been built together. And Paul said, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, as a church, one spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now, one spirit, that's small s, one set of attitudes. One mind, one set of thinking, one, one thought pattern. Now, I have to just park here for just a minute, and please forgive me, but... I hesitate teaching these verses because there are people that have misused them. And, well, you know, whatever the pastor says, we all have to think the same thoughts. And whatever the, the pastor's attitudes are, we have to say they have the same attitudes. That, that's not what the Bible's saying. Okay, th these are not the thoughts of the leader, and these are not the attitudes of the leader. These are the thoughts and the attitudes of the Word. The one thing we all have in common is that we live the Word. We pastors, we come and go, but the Word never changes. So as a congregation, we draw our attitudes, we draw our spirit, our attitudes from the Word, and we have one, one, one spirit, one set of attitudes that flows from the Word. We have one set of thought patterns. This is how we think about it, because those thoughts, that the way that we think, our system of logic, we've renewed our mind from the Word, and striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We, we are working together to achieve what God has asked us to do, 
as a local church. He said, now, you know, if you're doing that, if, if you are in this togetherness where you, you think alike from the word and you, you, you feel alike from the word and you are working toward goals that you have and God has given you as a congregation, he said, you know what? That's how you stand firm. That's how you stand firm. Now, let me give you one more. This is just the first point. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. It stood. It stood in a firm place. It stood on the word. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. I've said once, I'll say it again. When this is all past, when this storm is over, there will be many businesses that will not be around anymore. Many Christian businesses. Because they know the word, they're a hearer of the word, but they're not a doer of the word. There will be many families, Christian families, that will lose their homes because they're a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. There will be many Christians who will lose their jobs. Great was the fall of it because they're a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. You have to learn, brothers and sisters, that yes, we stand in grace and yes, we stand in faith, but yes, we also build our life on the principles of God's word. That we, we don't just hear teaching. And, and I know much of the modern teaching in churches doesn't have anything to do with how you live. It's all very nice, ethereal, and doesn't challenge us to live at all. But we, we don't talk like that at COP. We say, this is what the word says, and we're challenged to live it. Now, as we are hearers of the word and doers of the word, when this storm comes, you know what? It, it's a pretty big storm. I mean, of all the storms of life I've been through, this might be the biggest storm of life I've ever walked through. But you notice four months later, we're still standing, and so are you. Some of you and your families, when this thing started, you, you wondered, how will we ever survive? And God is blessing you. So that, forgive me, you're not just surviving, you're thriving. And I, I just stand in amazement. Now, now some of you, you, you've had some losses because you had things that weren't built on the Word. Okay? I mean, please forgive me. You've had some losses because things weren't built on the Word. You, you knew you were compromising in those areas. Just ask God to forgive you. Okay? Thank God for grace. Just ask God to forgive you. Don't, don't continue with a, with a stubborn, unrepentant attitude. Just, just, okay, God. I know this has been wrong. I've been really stubborn about it. I've been really fighting about it. But God, I know it's right. And from this day forward, I'm going to do it right. Please forgive me. And you know what? God forgives that fast. Just even fast. I can't even snap my fingers as fast as God forgives. Because he's a forgiving God. Abounding in love and faithfulness to a thousand generations. That's how wonderful he is. But you know what? If you get really stubborn and you've heard the word, and you refuse to do the word, then great was the fall of it. So please, I don't want to see anybody fall. I want to see us get to the end. This is my prayer every day. God, let the people finish stronger than when this started. 
Let the people finish stronger than when they started. Let every businessman's business be stronger than when they started. Let every career be stronger than when they started. Let there be more money in the bank than when this started. No, no credit card debt. No living on the credit cards. Let everything be stronger than when this started in Jesus' name. And some of you are saying, Pastor, I got a lot of work. I got a lot of making up. To, I got a lot of catching up. Don't worry about it. You get focused. God will bless the work of your hands. And when this thing ends, you will be stronger, not weaker in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you today. Father, it almost seems like a dream that we could finish this stronger. But Lord, we know that everything that the locusts destroy, you restore twofold. Father, in the name of Jesus, let blessing, let restoration blessing flow to every family in Jesus' name. Let restoration blessing flow to every family. In your grace, Lord, in your mercy. Lord, if your people have messed up, Lord, we're just sheep. Sometimes we really screw up. But you are a wonderful God who forgives us. Let your forgiveness flow like a beautiful river of oil and heal everything. And Lord, in your grace, help them to finish strong. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. sharp. And please don't forget, Text your district pastor or your campus pastor right away today with your name, how many people will be coming to church with you, and what service you plan to attend. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock.